Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss and beyond. Remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So be sure to seek medical support from a qualified health professional. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to be with you today because I have Teddy Nikova with me. And Teddy is one of our amazing dietitians at High Metabolic Clinic. She is phenomenal. You've probably seen her on our Instagram and in our social media, and she does our blog and she's so great with clients. Teddy's really passionate about helping women, supporting women to fix their relationship with food and also to manage emotional eating. And she has so much knowledge to share with us. And what we thought is we would do a few episodes together talking about some of the questions that we hear from our clients that I know all of you are wondering as well and thinking as well about nutrition and how we approach nutrition and how we can support you. So you're going to walk away with some really good tips from today. So it's not just, we're not just just talking about theory. Teddy's also going to give you some really practical things that you can take away and find valuable and start applying in your life from today. So without further ado, (laughs) welcome Teddy. Thank you so much, Sasha, for having me on the High on Life podcast. I'm really looking forward to just supporting your listeners and really debunking some crazy nutrition myths. So we're really going to get to the bottom of some really important topics today. I'm looking forward to it. Amazing. Okay. So exciting. So the number one, by far, the number one question is what diet do I eat? to do I follow to lose weight for good, right? Everyone wants to know what's the diet. Is it keto? Is it paleo? Is it whole 30? Tell us Teddy, what is the diet to lose weight? Absolutely. This is definitely the most common question I get asked. And the truth is the best formula for you is going to be what is going to be the most sustainable for the rest of your life. So instead of asking, what do I eat to lose weight, which is the most common question I get asked, I encourage you to ask yourself, what is the eating pattern that I can sustain for the rest of my life and still live the life that's going to be in line with my values and what I really want to achieve in this lifetime? Yeah, that's so good. I think one of the principles that we teach our clients and I've talked, I talk to our clients about just about right at the beginning is listen, we're building your life now. There's no like, Oh, I'll do this diet for three months and then I'll go back to living my life. Right. Cause that's the mentality, like that's diet mentality. That's what everyone comes in with who has like ever dieted in any form is like, I'll do this to lose the weight. And then I can go back to living my life and go back to like reality. And it just, it's like a recipe for failure, right? Absolutely. So for example, for one of my clients, that's a physician that's working 60 plus hours a week is going to need a completely different formula than one of my clients who's 60 plus retired and has most of their day to do walks and cooking. So it would be almost silly if we gave the exact same keto plan or the exact paleo plan to every single client. So what I usually say is run the other way. If you are, you see a diet program that gives you the exact same cookie cutter formula or plan for all of their clients. Yeah. Such a good point. And that is, you know, 
after what, what diet's the right one, probably second top question from a nutrition perspective is, okay, well, like if I join you guys, are you going to give me an eating plan? Like, are you going to tell me what to eat? Right. Cause people are so used to that. Yeah, absolutely. And we actually do follow principles in terms of what is the best eating pattern for weight loss, because there is a really good and sustainable eating pattern that we recommend. So first of all, we want to get back to the basics and we want to work for your body and your appetite system. So just to quickly review what the appetite system is and the three layers of it. So the first layer of the appetite system is the hypothalamus. So this controls our hunger and fullness cues. Then we have the mesolimbic system, which is the reward brain. And this part of the appetite system is responsible for the desire and the reward we get from food. And then we have the executive layer, which is the planning brain. It's responsible for the deliberate food decisions. It's that part of the brain that stops us from going to the fridge at 3 p.m. to get the leftover cake we have that that reward brain is driving us to go get. Yeah. So good. And I, yeah, the three layers to break it down, super simple. What you're trying to do, my understanding when you're working with clients is like balancing out those hormones and the neurotransmitters to just make it so much easier to follow a healthy eating plan, right? So that we are not starving all the time or dealing with like crazy urges and cravings where we feel out of control. If we can just like balance all that out with like a really good nutritional profile, life is just easier, right? And I like simple. I like easy. So how can we make this easy? Absolutely. And I know what everybody's thinking right now. So Teddy, what do I eat to balance these three layers of the appetite system? So the first step is protein, protein, protein. So protein is the queen of weight loss. So protein is really essential for working for that hypothalamus, that first layer of the appetite system. And it basically shuts off our hunger hormones and increases our fullness hormones after our meals. So it makes whatever eating plan we're following that much easier. So we're working for our bodies. Another layer of protein is that it helps preserve uh, something called lean muscle mass. So when we lose weight, we lose zero to 30% of our lean muscle mass with that weight loss. And we want to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So we actually can control that. So if we make sure we have enough protein, we can preserve as much lean muscle mass as possible. And why is that even important? It's important because muscle burns a lot more than fat. So we can keep a higher metabolism going at even at rest without doing anything when we have more lean muscle mass. Okay. So good. I hear the objections already. What about if I'm I'm a vegetarian or a vegan? Absolutely. So we work with a lot of vegetarians, a lot of uh, vegan clients. There's so many plant-based protein options. I'm thinking tofu, edamame beans, tempeh. There are an abundance of options. There's a lot of alternatives now, like Beyond Meat, that's created Mm -hmm. for vegetarians. So it's definitely doable and you don't need to be constantly eating chicken and beef for every meal. Yeah, I think that's like what people go to. They're like, okay, you want me to have chicken breast again? (laughs) Like dry, skinless chicken breast is what most people will think about when they're thinking of protein, right? And it's like, that sounds not fun at all, right? So you're saying it doesn't have to be that. Yeah. And I'll call that out. So sometimes what I see with my clients is they're, they're eating the same chicken 
for lunch and dinner. And I ask them, are you getting bored? Are you getting bored of these meals? Because at the same time that we want to increase protein, we also want to have fun with our meals and really enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, such a good question. I love that you're asking that. Are you getting bored with these meals? (laughs) Because maybe we should make this fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. So you talked about protein. What else? Okay. So then we want to work with our reward brain. So how can we do that? So we really want to reduce the refined carbohydrates, fatty foods, and other highly processed foods in our diet. And this is really just working for our reward brain rather than against it. So these foods create a lot of over-desire, a lot of pleasure, a lot of dopamine in that reward brain, rather than the whole foods such as vegetables, fruit, meat, those create a lot less over-desire, a lot less dopamine. So what are refined carbohydrates? So you can think of refined carbohydrates as highly processed. So for a potato to become a chip, it had to go through a lot of processing, a lot of food additives, a lot of salt and fat added to it. So food manufacturers, their main goal is to make that potato chip create as much pleasure as humanly possible because you're going to go and purchase more chips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So who can stop at half a chip or or one chip or who can stop at half a cookie? I know I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yes, absolutely. Our brains are not supposed to. Yes. Yeah. They're supposed to create that desire, right? So why not work for our appetite system and really just reduce the refined carbohydrates, those fatty foods and those highly processed foods. So we don't always have to be fighting a battle with that mm, reward. So brain. Good. Yeah. That's such a good point. Like, yeah, we want to make this easy. And I think sometimes when people hear like, oh, okay, we're going to work on, if we make it super simple, it's like flour and sugar. Okay. We're going to work on reducing flour and sugar. That sounds like a painful thing. It's like, why would I not want to? I get so much pleasure from that. And it's those very same people who are just like tormented by the cravings and the urges and feeling out of control. And then plagued by like, what's wrong with me? I have no willpower. Why can't I control myself? Like I should know better than this. I should be doing better. And it's like, listen, firstly, your brain is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Of course, your brain is supposed to get lots of like yay, this is super fun. Let's eat lots of cookies because I got lots of dopamine on board. That feels so good. Let's have more, right? Like your brain is functioning exactly as it should. Nothing's broken. It's not a problem, but let's find the foods that support your brain rather than working against it. So I love how you framed it of like, yeah, let's just stop the battle. And it doesn't mean we're never, ever having sugar or flour again. Cause that's the other thing. Like we're not, we're not saying like never, ever, we're not making like these really grandiose statements. Right. Absolutely. And I think you brought something really important up that we're not viewing refined carbohydrates as like the bad foods. Mm -hmm. And then the good foods is like vegetables and fruit and whole grains and all the other things. There's no good and bad food. Food doesn't have morals. It's just about the cost benefit analysis, right? So if you chose to do a donut for breakfast yeah, you're gonna maybe feel really good in the moment while you're eating that donut. But at the other hand, you have no protein in that donut. So you're going to be hungry in two hours. And then also you're going to create a lot of desire. So by the time it comes to lunchtime, you know, that, that protein and veg doesn't sound that good anymore. I want another donut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's such a good point. Like I, as soon as I hear people talking about like, oh, I was good or I was bad, or this food is good, or this food is bad immediately. I'm like, okay, we've got work to do. We need to break down the diet mentality. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're not, you are not a bad person for eating a donut. We just want to ask, we just start, want to start asking ourselves, like, is that supporting you when you are loving yourself at the highest level and you're honoring your body? Is that the best choice that supports you? Right? Like if we can kind of put it that way, it's more about like, Hey, we just, you know, sometimes we're going to make those choices where it's like, yes, indulge. It's like, it's worth it. It's totally worth it to have this indulgence, but let's just make it worth it. Right. Absolutely. And you make a really good point that a lot of our clients coming in the best weight program, they're holding on to a lot of diet mentality and that's okay. Of course you are. Look at everything on Instagram, commercial diets. It all promotes diet mentality. It all promotes like, like, for example, ketogenic, like this food is bad. Like it's, it's going to cause you weight gain. And this is the good food. Of course, you're going to be holding on to diet mentality, but we get to guide you to step out of it and really discover your ultimate potential and just living with food freedom. Yeah. It's so good. It's funny. Cause I, even with my kids, the way I frame it with my kids is this is a sometimes food right? These are all the time foods and these are sometimes foods, right? So they're not good or bad or, you know, even like the term junk food kind of has like, there's a little bit of layers of what that terminology means. So we just, I I try to use the term, like this is a sometimes food. (laughs) So is, is it because of all this that you think, cause carbs have like this really bad rap in diet culture? Like, is it because of this, the mesolimbic brain and dopamine and all that? Or what do you think, what do you think is driving that? Ha, huh, absolutely. So when we think of carbohydrates, they really do have a bad rap on social media, on basically every commercial diet. And it really comes from diet culture and an idea of a simple solution for weight loss. We all love a simple solution, right? Here, we found the cure. If we can just eliminate all carbohydrates and just do protein and fat, then you'll lose per- lose per- weight permanently and never have to worry about your weight again. And it really is oversimplifying the complex nature of weight loss. So it's really driven by that diet mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really funny too because if you studied kind of diet culture and history, it wasn't, it wasn't always carbs that had the bad rap, right? Like for the longest time it was fats and it was like, we demonized fats and like everything was low fat and everything was made low fat. And there's just been a shift in the past decade that now it's all about low carb and, and how carbs are terrible. And it's interesting because it's, it's like, it's sort of like a half truth. I don't even want to call it. It's not that bad carbs are bad. Cause we just talked about that. It's like the science and the understanding of the effect of refined carbohydrates and how they affect insulin in the body and insulin, people who have insulin resistance or dopamine, there is some truth to, Hey, those may not support your body and your hormones in the best way, but diet culture has just kind of like swung that to make it like, this is good food. This is bad food. You want to avoid it altogether. Like it's all or nothing, right? Like that's another heavily diet culture kind of mentality is that all or nothing mentality. So yeah, it's just interesting when you kind of look at the trends, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there is, you know, some truth in terms of maybe reducing the unrefined, uh, the refined carbohydrates. So let's chat a little bit about that. So we have refined carbohydrates and then we have the unrefined carbohydrates. So we already talked about how refined carbohydrates are really those highly processed carbohydrates that are further away from the whole food form that create a lot of desire, a lot of dopamine in that reward brain. So they're really hard to control. So those are the ones we just want to work for our body and reduce them in order to be able to actually tune into our physical hunger and fullness and not have that over desire being triggered all day long. 
But then we have the unrefined carbohydrates. So these are the whole food carbs. So we're talking about fruits, vegetables, whole grains, even milk products have unrefined carbohydrates. So these carbohydrates, they're filled with fiber. So with this fiber, it's going to be really essential for our gut health, for our digestion. They're packed with micronutrients. And most importantly, eating unrefined carbohydrates is going to lend into the sustainability piece. For you to be able to enjoy a whole potato or a sweet potato or some milk products in your diet is just what is going to make this sustainable for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's really interesting because as you know, we launched a treatment program for binge eating disorder a few months ago. And one of like the very starting point aspects of the treatment protocol called CBTT is including unrefined carbohydrates or, or including carbohydrates actually with every meal, because so many people with binge eating disorder, one of the hallmarks is like restricting during the daytime. Often there's like fear foods and stuff like that. But then that just leads to the binge behaviors later on in the day, usually evening. And so, yeah, having those, having some unrefined carb carbohydrates, not being afraid of them, not having fear foods is an interesting part of treatment to prevent the overeating or the binging episodes. Absolutely. And it really lends the same way to even with clients without binge eating disorder that just have a lot of cravings throughout the day. And they're really heavily restricting all sources of carbohydrates, including fruit and even some vegetables like tomatoes. Uh, which we consider a non-starchy vegetable. So it actually has less carbohydrates, but from the diet mentality, we think carrots, tomatoes, high sugar, high carb, bad food. So it's so crazy how we really lended all carbohydrates in the same box when we really have the unrefined, which can be completely part of a whole foods diet. And then the refined. Yeah. Just on a personal note, and I don't talk so much about my own personal experience with food, but I've mentioned before how I had binge eating and what triggered it was when I got, I think I probably had orthorexia at times in my life where I was really obsessed with like clean eating. And then when I discovered the whole low carb movement, I became really obsessed with like low carb and keto. And that actually really caused my binging to flare because I was like that. I, I would think like fruit is bad, right? And like, I can't eat fruit. And then I'd be like, binging on processed carbs, like, ju like junk, there I am using that word, but yeah, like junk food later on at night. And uh, yeah, it really, it really messed me up. I actually still catch myself sometimes with like fruit that I'm serving my kids of uh, my brain will offer like, no, you don't eat, eat like that's too much sugar. And I'm like, oh my goodness. No, like I'm catching that thought, not serving me at all. Absolutely not. I might pair it with like cheese or you know, peanut butter to kind of balance that, that, that meal or that snack out. But, um, yeah, I, I find that in myself, because I was part of that low carb movement for some time that actually set me up for binge behaviors. Absolutely. Because then we glorify that food, right? For example, actually this lends to what I wanted to talk to you about, which was a, a lot of fear around actually including carbohydrates in a weight loss plan. So a lot of my clients are actually coming to me from ketogenic diets where they did the keto, they either get regained, like lost weight and regained it, or were, just weren't seeing success with following a ketogenic diet because they felt so restricted. So now actually I have to reintroduce carbohydrates back into their diet for weight loss, which sounds a little bit backwards, but that's exactly what we need to do exactly as you said, because then that leads 
to that binge eating like behavior. So a lot of the questions I get asked is, Teddy, how do I do this and still lose weight? So two big strategies I really like to use with carbohydrates is picking the unrefined carbohydrates and with your meal, always trying to do the protein and veg first. So why I say this is the protein is going to be the most filling. And we know that's the queen of weight loss. If we have the protein, veg, and a little bit of fat first, we actually don't spike our blood sugar as high. So instead of spiking it a little bit higher with starting off with the potato, we're actually spiking it just a little bit. So when we introduce now the carbohydrate, we're more full. So we might need a little bit less. And also our blood sugar is not going to spike as high because we've already started to digest the protein and fat, which just naturally doesn't create the same amount of of a blood sugar rise. Right. Right. That's so good. Yeah. I wanted to throw in a caveat and I know we're totally going off topic with this. Yeah, sure. Because I think that there are some people listening who love keto and are doing well with keto. And we have some clients, and I'm just thinking of one recently that I talked to this week who've done super well with keto. And this is where it becomes really nuanced. It doesn't even matter what diet you choose. As long as that diet makes you feel great, you love eating that way, and it supports you eating just the right amount of food for your body and not more, like you could do really well with keto. So we're not bashing keto. You could do really well with paleo. You can do really well with a vegan diet, vegetarian diet. It doesn't even matter. Actually, what we want to work on is how sustainable is this for you? Do you have the ability to be flexible, like that flexible restraint concept? Are you aware of when you're eating for hunger versus non, right? Like it, I think we'll talk about this in another episode, but so often it's about way more than the food. It's about why we're eating in the first place. Absolutely. And you make a really good point that some people do really well with lower carbohydrate. If they have a lot of insulin resistance in their, in their blood work, that's something that we actually look out for. And our physician team uh, calls out some people do feel really good with sticking mainly to protein, non-starchy veg, more fats and reducing the amount of carbohydrates. The most important thing about it is how they're approaching it, right? So are they approaching it in a way that they feel really good eating that way and they're not feeling restricted? They just feel good in their bodies and it's working for them? Or are they doing it because they think it's the formula for weight loss and they're heavily restricting their food intake and really going about it in a really unsustainable way? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you put that so well. Okay, so we've talked a lot about how like how to eat for weight loss and now now let's say we have a client who's lots of lost weight, lost lots of weight. And now they're looking at, okay, so now what do I do? Like, what do I switch to for weight maintenance? I get this question a lot. And I get this question actually a lot for my clients that are still in the weight loss phase, even. So in our program, we really focus on sustainable weight loss and fat loss is slow. So sometimes our clients will only, let's say, only lose 0.5 pounds a week or 0.5 pounds a month. So their weight loss trajectory is really slow. So they'll ask me, Teddy, I feel like I'm eating for weight maintenance. What tweak should I make in order to be eating for weight loss? So the truth is your eating pattern for weight loss will be actually really similar to your eating plan for weight maintenance. So let's talk about the science a little bit. When you first change your eating, 
and reduce your energy intake, you'll start to lose fat. And as your body is in it, cause your body is going to be in an energy deficit at that time. So over time you will get closer to your best weight and your weight will plateau with the exact same amount of food that you were eating for weight loss. So what actually happens over time is that your metabolism slowly starts slowing down as you're in a smaller body and your fullness hormone leptin that's actually produced by your fat cells reduces as your fat levels reduce and your hunger hormone ghrelin rises. So naturally over time, that same eating pattern will turn into your weight maintenance eating pattern. That's why it's so important when you're in the weight loss phase, not to do anything drastic. That's not going to be sustainable for the rest of your life. So you always want to ask yourself before making any shift in your weight loss phase, can I sustain this change for the rest of my life? Because we can all do something really restrictive and lose weight quicker. But once we're at that weight, it's going to be very, very hard to maintain that weight in the long term if we don't continue those restrictive patterns. Yeah. Okay. All the science geeks are going to love this episode because you explain the physiology so well and in such a simple way. It's great. And I think the funny piece about this is when we talk about weight loss phase, weight maintenance phase, most people listening and a lot of the clients that we see will think that they get to choose like, okay, I pick this number in my head and I'm going to lose weight down to that. And then when I get to that, I will choose to then enter weight maintenance phase. And it's like, we wish we had that much control over our physiology and we really don't. Right. And that's why I explain it as we're just going to build the life that you can live forever. And your body is going to lose weight and then it's going to slow down and then it's going to weight plateau at some point. I don't know. You don't know. And like a lo- some of it is just like learning to be okay with that. Now that answer is so dissatisfying for some people because they're like, but that's not good enough. Like, why if I don't get to my ideal weight and this specific number that I have in my head that I have to get to, usually that's wrapped up in a lot of self-worth issues which we unpack with our coaching, right. Is just working on body acceptance and self-worth and like questioning where we get the ideas of like, what is an appropriate number on the scale for our bodies? Cause it's all made up, right. It's all made up and it's from societal conditioning of like what a woman's body should be. But I just wanted to say, you know, we, it, it's not like we choose this is I'm, I'm currently in weight loss phase. And now I'm currently in weight maintenance phase as though it's like, as though we just get to choose the number. It's just kind of what naturally happens is initially, and every weight loss curve looks like this, you lose weight more rapidly and then it slows down and then it plateaus. And it's kind of like any intervention, any study that we look at, whether it's surgery, medication, behavioral change, cognitive change, that shape of the curve is going to look exactly the same, right? Absolutely. And I think we hear a lot from our clients that they get a little bit worried about it. So they'll experience a more drastic weight loss in the beginning, like you mentioned, and then they'll start still losing weight, but at a very slow pace. And they start asking me, Teddy tweaks, let's do it. Let's make adjustments to my eating. And I always just stop them and ask them, honestly, if we make this shift, How confident are you that we can maintain this shift for the rest of your life? And they usually look at me and let me know, you know what, Teddy, I won't be able to. And then we just don't make that shift. Yeah. 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 That's so good. That's so good. Okay. Any last comments? Like this has been such a great conversation. What else do you think our listeners need to know about creating their own eating protocol? I think the most important takeaway from our talk today is really about 
the sustainability piece. So whenever you're choosing what eating plan that you're going to confidently do for weight loss, remember that it's not about following the latest trend or following keto or paleo or low carb. It's going to be what's going to be the most sustainable for you. Number one, what's going to be aligned with your medical history and current medical conditions. So it's not going to be the diet that worked for your friend that she lost 20 pounds on. So just what I would recommend is stay in your own lane and your own body. The more we can look inwards rather than outwards, the more successful we're going to be in permanent weight loss. Yeah, that's so good. I think what, yeah, what our dietitians are so amazing at is really coming together with the client and the way we describe it within our team is like, we are a team with our clients, right? It's not us prescribing an eating plan and telling you what to do and giving you like a yes and no foods, good and bad foods. It's not about that at all. It's about let's work together to create the life that you love, right? Where you are making your healthiest choices that you can continue doing and you feel great about it. And and I think that is what makes us so successful when we're supporting our clients, right? So I love this. Thank you, Teddy. I'm super excited for our next episode together. I know that our listeners have gotten so much value from this. So thank you for all of your expertise. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the High on Life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts.